0: Okay, today we are going to bury David. We are in our David series. It's uh, six weeks long. We are here at week number six. And we are going to bury David. We have uh, looked at his life. Obviously, we could have spent six months rather than six weeks on David. And you can go back and listen to some of these series on lakepointonline.com and go to messages and you can actually see on video, those uh, that series, but as we look back on David, we, we saw how he God has called him to a greater purpose, and he was a man after God's own heart. Uh, he was faithful, and um, and he was open to the move of God, and he was humble, and then how how um he fought giants in his life I mean he Goliath wasn't the only thing that he that David had to go through had to suffer through even when he was a shepherd boy he had lions and and bears that he he had fought and, and used his sling and as he faced uh, Goliath um, he learned lots of things through that we learned lots of things how to how to face the giants in our life as well and you can go back and listen to that sermon and we also learn, David also learned how to fight some of those other giants later on in his life. And after something big like fighting a giant of, of, of the size of Goliath, uh, it just seems like uh, all the wheels came off of David's life. All of the things that he would lean upon naturally came off because King Saul was, uh, was jealous of David. And so even though David had already been anointed king, The next king by Samuel the prophet and the priest and the last judge of Israel, he had already been anointed king. Saul was jealous of David and in a bitter rage, tried to kill him a couple of times. And uh, slowly but surely, the wheels started coming off in David's life. Sometimes it does that in our life as well. Even after some great victory, after some great victory, some things just start pulling away. Well, what that is, that is God Showing you, look, don't lean on the, those other things. Don't lean on your job. I've got it under control. Don't lean on your health. I've got it under control. Don't, don't lean on some of your friends who, who have betrayed you. I can be your friend. And so God will show us in those times, like he showed David, I am your source of life, your hope. And so David would use that in that really dark time in his life, he would use that to be a great king. In fact, the best king, the greatest king that Israel has ever seen. Well, we also learned that through, uh, through his relationship with Saul, that sometimes when, when people are against us, what do we, how do we approach that? How do we approach, how do we share truth with someone? Because when someone is against us, we we cannot ignore the truth. It's like ignoring Goliath. You can't ignore Goliath. He's not gonna go away. So when there's a relationship problem between you and another person, you have got to speak truth into them. Well, you can't start with truth, as David showed us with King Saul. Because if David would have started with, with with the absolute truth, that he was, he was in the wrong, then it would have gone south. But what David showed was this, he showed humility and he showed mercy. He showed humility by bowing down on the king and saying, saying I'm not gonna hurt the king, okay? I, I, I am not better than you. Even though you're trying to kill me, I'm not better than you. I could have killed you, so I'm showing mercy and now I'm speaking truth. And so King Saul was able to accept that. So if you wanna speak truth into someone's life, start with humility, start with mercy, and then they can accept truth better. Last week, we saw one of the darkest times in David's life. That's when, when he was um, home alone, when he should have been off to war with, with all of his armies. And, and instead of doing that, he was walking along the balcony of his palace at night, notice a woman who, had been, who, were, who was bathing, and her name was Bathsheba, and one thing led to another, and they got into an adulterous affair, and it ultimately led to him killing her husband. And then David married Bathsheba, and they had a child. So that sounds like a really, really bad uh, reality show. <laughs> You know, our soap opera. But if you look at that story and you think, how in the world can that be a man after God's own heart? Here's what David shows us. And here's what God shows us through David. Even when you and I, when we try to be a man or woman or a boy or girl after God's own heart, we want the heartbeat of God We've gotta watch ourselves because we, can, we too can fall into temptations so fast, so quickly, and multiple times. And so David also shows that he is human. He is not a superhero. He is a human being just like you <clears throat> and just like me. And so we can have hope. We can have hope. If you have sinned in your life, if you've done things in your life, You can have hope because David did some things in his life that he's not proud of. Well, after after David and Bathsheba had a baby, um, we had a visit from from another prophet, Nathan. Nathan came to David and shared with him uh, a story. We, We shared that last week, and through this parable, this story, Nathan told David, look, you're, you're the man. You're the one who, is, who has stolen someone else from a, a man. You've stolen a woman from a man, and then you've killed him. And so because of that, God allowed the natural causes of consequences of sin to happen. And Nathan shared this. He says, the baby that you have, that you and Bathsheba had in that adulterous affair, is going to die. David, your wives, and he had had a few wives, he said some of your wives will actually be sexually assaulted in public. David, your family is going to turn against you. And David, your kids will be involved in things such as rape and murder and insurrection. And so here we have David uh, facing these things. And not only that, he's got one of his sons, Absalom. Absalom is uh, after the throne of David. In fact, there was a time he announced himself king over Hebron and he um, secretly won the hearts of the people behind his dad's back. Awful, and so, What that shows us is this. God will forgive us. You can read Psalm 51 and how David's just saying his prayer of confession. Lord, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Cast not away your Holy Spirit from me. And so there was repentance and there was forgiveness. And yes, God is faithful and just to forgive us. But know this, there is consequences of our sin. When I sin. There's consequences for that. When you sin, there are natural consequences for that. And so, ultimately, Absalom, who tried to steal the throne of David, was killed. David came back to the throne. He's in his later years of his life. And there were some, before all this happened, I mean, there were some, there were some great times in David's life. Okay, before he, he, he was with Bathsheba, there was a time of, of amazing, a couple of decades of just amazing fruitfulness in, in the life of, of Israel and, and great prosperity. And David caused the people to turn their hearts back to God because he was a man after God's own heart. And so, but through all this, David, David went through a whole lot of, to be blunt, hell in his life. Some of you may be sitting there today and you may have gone through um, your own version of hell in your life. You may have uh, made some choices and you may have uh, reaped some of those consequences. There may be people in your life who are after you. There may be people in your life who are against you. You may be going through some sort of um, financial health other relationship. Maybe you and God aren't on the right page. Maybe you're not walking with God. But even though David went through that, he always came back to God. And as we see here at the end of his life, we're going to read here in just a moment, as we see he is gathered around his family and his friends. As he is slowly but surely falling away from this world, and walking away from the last chapter of his life. He is surrounded by family and friends, very similar to how we're gonna be surrounded by family and friends here um, at Thanksgiving, to where uh, maybe you're traveling. Obviously, there are several of our folks that have already started traveling, and you're gonna be surrounded by people who love you, people who will most likely be at your funeral, or should be, And so just like at Thanksgiving or Christmas time, David was surrounded by not only his his family, but those who who were leaders in his kingdom. We're gonna be in 1 Chronicles. If you want to turn your copy of God's word to 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verses 1 through 8, is where we're gonna read here. And and we have some Um, A story here where we get to see David leave a legacy. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. As David says goodbye, we get to see how David leaves a legacy. You know, you and I, that's what, that's probably should be the greatest thing we should leave behind is, is something for someone to hold on to. We want to leave a legacy. Let's see how David does this in chapter 28 of 1 Chronicles verses 1 through 8. It says this, David summoned all the officials of Israel to assemble at Jerusalem. The officers over the tribes, the commanders of the divisions in the service of the king, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds and the officials in charge of all the prosperity and livestock belonging to the king and his sons. Together, With the palace officials, the warriors, and all the brave fighting men. King David rose to his feet and said, Listen to me, my fellow Israelites, my people. I had it in my heart to build a house as a place of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord, for the footstool of our God, and made plans to build it. But God said to me, You are not to build a house for my name, because you are a warrior and have shed blood. Yet the Lord The God of Israel chose me from my whole family to be king over Israel forever. He chose Judah as leader, and from the tribe of Judah he chose my family, and from my father's sons he was pleased to make me king over all Israel. Of all my sons, and the Lord has given me many, he has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel." He said to me, Solomon, your son is the one who will build my house in my courts, for I have chosen him to be, son, to be my son, and I will be his father. I will establish his kingdom forever, and he is unswerving in carrying out my commands and laws, as is being done at this time. So now I charge you in the sight of all Israel of the assembly of the Lord, and in the hearing of our God, be careful to follow all the commands of the Lord your God, that you may possess this good land and pass it on as an inheritance uh, to your descendants forever. All right, so what David is saying here is this. I really, really, really wanted to build this temple. You look at all the people in, in the Bible, which David has mentioned more than anyone, Old Testament, New Testament. Of all the people in the Bible, you would think that David would be the one to build the temple of God. He, he designed it. He designed every aspect of it. He got with his architects and his builders and his contractors and everything was ready. They raised the money. Everything was ready. All they had to do is get the shovels, take a picture and be on with it. But David didn't get to do that because God said no. You know, that shows so much control. Even later on in his life, what he's showing is this. I could have built it, but I chose not to because I'm obeying God. Maybe there's something in your life that you want to do. Maybe there's some sort of bucket list that you want to do or something you have wanted uh, to, um, to accomplish in life. Maybe you, you wanted to have a family, or maybe you wanted to get married, or maybe you wanted to go to college, or, 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 or maybe, you know, maybe you wanted to build something, maybe you wanted to build a house, maybe you want to have a certain career, maybe you wanted to do something. Whatever that is, listen to me. Sometimes we don't get to do those things. And that's all right. That's okay. Because God has his plans, his massive plans. and We're here for just a short amount of time. It, it just doesn't matter. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't strive to, to have goals. Yes, sometimes those goals lead us to things that are even um, different than we thought, ever thought we would be doing. I never thought that I would be up here leading a church and pastoring and preaching. Never thought that. In fact, my goal My vision, when I was little, when I was a a junior high in high school, I wanted to go into music, and I wanted to be a contemporary Christian music artist. (laughs) You should see pictures of of my bedroom. I I went to this Christian music store. I'd go all the time, and and back when they would have uh, LPs, uh, younger people, those are big, round, black discs you know, and use a needle to listen to an album. And so, but they would have these album covers that just sort of leftovers that that the record company would send to these Christian bookstores. And so he would uh, just give them away. So he would have this, I remember this milk crate of just album covers, just like posters. And I would go in there and and I would find sort of the newest one. And my bedroom, y'all, it's is crazy, my bedroom, was just plastered with different Christian artists, whether it be Making Smith, Stephen Curtis Chapman, Rust Half, Amy Grant, I mean David Meese, I mean, I mean you you name it. In the in the in the heyday of the 80s contemporary Christian music movement, I had them on my wall. And I even took those to college. <laughs> my roommate who wasn't a Christian is like why are these people hanging on our wall? <laughs> They're staring at me. It's like, yeah, it's Christian artists. You know, you should listen to some of that. And so, but, but I wanted to be like one of them. And I always had in my back pocket a, a cassette, you know, for those who don't know what that is, it's a little thing about this big and you put it in there and you play. But they, I would have a cassette with, with, with a, a track that had a, a, like a song on it was just the instruments. And any time I could be at a church and they say, hey, do you, have a, do you have a song you wanna sing? And I didn't play any instruments at the time. I was like, yeah, I have a cassette. And i put it in there and I'd be ready all the time. I wanted to be the next big thing. I wanted to be an artist. Even in the college, I pursued that. I pursued that greatly. It was in songwriting, developed that, learned to play instruments. I won some national songwriting contest and was invited to, you know, play for some national record company guys and nothing really came out of that. And I was like, yeah, it's moving, it's going. And, and then finally, God said, Frank, time out, stop. I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to do that. And I'm not assuming that I would even ever make it, but just having that dream it's like, you know, Frank, I've got different plans for you. I've got different plans for you. But now pursuing that, is, it wasn't a bad thing. What it did, it just, drew, it just drew me closer to the Lord, hearing songs from groups like Petra, who had great songs straight from God's word, and they even put the, the, the passages of scripture in, in the credits of the lyrics, and you'd go back and read them, and it drew me closer to the Lord, and it really helped my walk. With God. But God said, you know what? I don't want you to do that. I can imagine David building, I mean, David um, designing this temple with this architects and, and having all these meetings. He's so excited and everything's, everything's ready. And, and God said, hold on, time out. David, I don't want you to do that. That's okay. Because you, one of your sons are going to do that. You're going to have a family member that will do that. And you know, I, I could have I done what David may have been tempted to do. He's like, well, I mean, that's just voices in my head. I, I don't need to do that. I don't need to listen to that. I, I've got everything ready. Everything's ready. I can go with it. I could have said, you know what? Forget that. I'm just gonna keep pressing on. Probably would have ruined my family, would never have made that, that dream, and would probably not be here today as a pastor. So what I'm saying is this. You may have a, a, a dream in your in your heart, in your head, and there's nothing wrong with that dream. But what I'm saying is this sometimes you may go towards the end of your life and realize that you never were able to accomplish that. And that is okay. You know why? Because all you need, y'all, is Jesus. All you need is the comfort and the approval of God. And God gave him approval. Rather than, rather than um, looking at the bad things of not, not wanting to build the temple, what was David doing? What we just read there, he was thankful. He was thankful for God choosing him to be king. Of all the families, he chose us to do this. Towards the end of my life, I'm not going to say, you know, I was never able to be, you know, on a big stage and had, you know, number one hits and all this stuff, had an album. I was never able to do that. No, I'm not going to say that at all. I'm going to say, man, what a ride that was. What a ride that was to be a father and a faithful husband. And, and a pastor of a church that, that loved our family, loved our community. We led people to the Lord. We, grew, we made disciples. We sent people out. That is what I'm going to say. I'm going to be thankful. So if you want to leave a legacy, leave a legacy of thankfulness. And what a great time of the season to start preparing your heart for that. Another thing that that, um, David did towards this last chapter of his life, he had a word for his son, as we see in in, uh, verses 9 through 12. And he talks directly to Solomon. He says, And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. If you seek him... He will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house as the sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. Then David gave his son Solomon the plans for the portico of the temple, its buildings, its storerooms, its upper parts, its inner rooms, and the place of atonement. He gave him the plans of all that the Spirit had put in his mind for the courts of the temple of the Lord, and all the surrounding rooms for the treasuries of the temple of God and for the treasuries for the dedicated things. So what David, David does, he speaks to Saul and he gives him just a few things. First of all, he said he, wants, he wants Solomon, he wants Solomon to yield to God. He says it, he, he, acknowledge him. Okay, another word for acknowledge is, is, is to yield. Acknowledge that God is, is there, and and that God wants to help guide your life. You want to yield to the ways of God. Okay, middle schoolers and high schoolers, kids, youth that are here today, you want to yield to God. You want to acknowledge that he, that he wants to be a part of your life, and he gave you the very breath that you're breathing right now, and he has a story for you. Acknowledge him, yield to him, Don't get in the way of God. Yield to him as he moves into your life. Another thing that David tells Solomon is to serve God. Serve him, as you see in, the, in verse nine. Serve the Lord. So if you, if you want to leave a, lagging, a lasting legacy, yield to God. Serve God. And then the last thing David says in verse nine and 10, seek God. Seek the Lord, and you will find what you are looking for. You know, many people are, are searching for things in this world. They're searching for love in all the wrong places. They're searching for, 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 um, for fame, for prosperity, and they're searching for things, and they come up empty-handed. Sure, they may get what they're, a little bit of what they're looking for, but it has no substance. It has no depth. And it only lasts for a season. And so if we yield to God and we serve him, then we're better able to seek God and he will be found. We can seek God, we can find him when we yield to him and when we serve him. So I'm gonna encourage you, make sure you serve God, make sure you yield to God. Because if you're trying to find things without serving God or yielding to God, You're going to wind up empty. There's a lot of people, they find that right love of their life. They go to a bar and they seek someone who can fulfill their life. And they end up finding some drunken fool. You know, like that, you know, there's a song, you know, that's popular Take a Drunk Girl Home. I don't know if you've ever heard that song. Take a Drunk Girl Home. You know, there's girls, and it's like, oh, it's so sweet. That's so sweet. He's, He's taking a drunk girl home. He's not taking advantage of her. And, you know, he's, he's leaving his keys by the phone, my keys by the phone. He even wrote me a note. And, oh, I would love to have a, a guy that would take me home when I'm drunk and not take advantage of me. Y'all, that's crazy. Don't, don't take a drunk girl home because, because you shouldn't be in that setting. And if you're a girl and you're drunk, if a guy takes you home, he's not going to leave your keys by the phone and a note. So you're, you, we look for love. We look for love in the wrong places. We seek things without God. But if we yield to God, and if we serve him, and as we're yielding to God, and as we serve in God, and if we want love to find us, and as we seek love, we will find them right there beside us all along. And we didn't even realize it. You know why? Because when you yield to God and you serve God, then you will be in God's will. That's how it works. That's how it works. Another thing that, that, that David told Solomon, he wanted, wanted him to be dedicated to God. We find this in, in verses 11 and 12. He, he, he wanted to be dedicated to God and gave Solomon encouragement he gave him encouragement. And we see this in, uh, in verse 20. David also said to Solomon, his son, be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fall, fail you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. He will be with you. Do not be discouraged. Do not not be dismayed. Be strong. Be courageous. Just like God told Joshua. Be strong and be courageous. And in this final prayer, we see this in in chapter 29. In chapter 29, in uh, verse 10, we see David praise the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is a kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight, as we are all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building your temple for your holy name comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I love the heart of David. He's on his deathbed. What he's doing? What is he doing? He's giving praise and glory and honor to God. God, you are worthy to be praised. Oh, let that be the last things on my lips. Let that be the last things on your lips. Giving honor and glory and praise to God. And I love how he talks about, you know, Lord, all of this. These funds that we've collected for the building of your temple, it, it, it all came from you. What a great legacy. You know, the legacy isn't about the temple. The legacy is about God and all that he's given to them. You know, Lake Point Church, what is going to be our legacy? You know, 100 years from now, when, when we're all gone, what's going to be the legacy of Lake Point Church? What is going to be the legacy? Even five years, 10 years, 25 years from now. What is going to be the legacy of Lake Point Church? Is it going to be the building that we build on our property? Oh, what a great building that is. I hope not. I hope that the legacy of Lake Point Church is that we love God with all our our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that we love people like ourselves. Love God love people because when we love God and we love people, we're able to point people to God, their relationship with Jesus Christ, his church, and his world and so I want that to be our legacy. I know we're focusing on property and building and the, and the park and Monroe Park and lots of exciting things and God's going to provide. I totally believe that cuz it's his idea anyway. That's a great thing about it. When it's our idea, it, you know, you hold that, the weight of that. I don't hold any weight on that. All I do is I I I wear the vision and I share the vision. I hope you do the same. But it's not my idea. It's solely God's plan. I remind him of that every day. God, this is your will. So it's your bill. It's yours, God. And so but our legacy is not a building. Our legacy is not property. Our legacy is how we love God and love people and point people to Jesus Christ. David died with the legacy. In a verse uh, chapter 29, verse 26 to 28, David, son of Jesse, was king over all Israel. He ruled over Israel 40 years, seven in Hebron and 33 in Jerusalem. He died at a good old age, having enjoyed long life, wealth, and honor. His son Solomon succeeded him as king. You may be saying, Frank, I I have a lousy legacy. I, I, I really have nothing that I can show. You know, maybe... Maybe you're sitting here today and you've done some things in your life and you're just not really happy about, you're pretty ashamed of. Maybe, maybe there's some things that people know and people know about that and you're just kind of living in some shame. Or maybe you're like, you know, Frank, I'm not really where I wanted to be right now. But, but just listen. Listen, God wants you to leave a legacy. He does. Now, that'll be different for different people. For me, it would center around mostly my family. It would center around my six kids, my beautiful wife, and and the message of the gospel that I shared week in and week out at Lake Point Church and the ministry that God was able to allow me to give. It's not gonna be my house. It's definitely not gonna be my money. (laughs) You know, it's not about that. It's not about fame. It's about what I want to Leave my children and how I want to give honor and glory to God. But you, your legacy might be different. You know, your legacy might be different. Some of you here today, God may have called you to, to, to live a life as a single person. And that's fine. Because you can leave a legacy. You can leave a legacy. I know single uh, men in my life. Who they're, you know, they're, they're not married. And, and, and they've never married and they're well in their years. And, and they are leaving a legacy, and so I want to encourage you, no matter where you are in your life, God wants you to leave a legacy. You know, um, probably the person that has left a legacy more in my life is my my grandfather. Uh, Robert Hale Sr. was a man after God's own heart. Um, If you knew him, and obviously my wife knew him and some of our kids were able to, to spend time with him and know him. But when you saw my grandfather, you saw Jesus. He was a pastor, a church planter. Um, he, he actually built a, a church that he pastored, built it with his own hands, no lie. Um, I'm not going to do that by the way. I have no idea how to do all that. But but he left a legacy of, of, of being a man after his own heart, after God's own heart. And before he, he passed away, he gave me his Bible. Now, my grandfather, he has lots of grandkids, and the fact that he would, he would give me his Bible is, is pretty humbling. I keep this in a safe place, and man, it is worn and tattered, as you can tell. But and there's some writing in here, and I can't really make of it because he had horrible writing, handwriting. But just the fact that I'm holding the same Bible that he preached for years and years and years. Wow, what a legacy. What a legacy of, of preaching God's word. And it just so happens, I'm, I'm his only grandchild that actually is a pastor now. So it's fitting. Because when he gave it to me, I, I wasn't doing that. But I'm so grateful for this legacy. You know, he, uh, he passed away, obviously, several years ago. And I had the privilege of, of writing a song for him. For his funeral, and actually singing it for his funeral. I'm not gonna sing it, I'm not in great voice today, but I'll speak these words. I hope these words are, are words that my kids would be able to say of me as I leave a legacy. Maybe some of these words you can adopt as well. But these are the words that I wrote about my grandfather. It goes like this The worth of a man is often measured by the things he may possess of what he leaves behind. You, talking about my grandfather, you may not have acquired much wealth or accolades, but what you left behind will be treasured always. And onto the chorus, you you showed us how to smile even on gray days. You showed us how to dance before the music played. You showed us how to pray and to never lose our faith, but most of all, you showed the way of love. Love is never known by what it may keep, but always gives away more than it receives. If ever love was shown by what a man has done, then let it be known You're a portrait of that one. You showed us how to smile even on gray days. You showed us how to dance before the music played. You showed us how to pray and to never lose our faith. But most of all, you showed the way of love. And as the song builds to the bridge, it goes like this. And I imagine you standing before heaven's host, gathered to welcome you home. As tears of joy are falling on holy ground, the Father says, take in the view. Your reward is waiting for you. He showed us how to smile even on gray days. He showed us how to dance before the music played. He showed us how to pray and to never lose our faith. But most of all, he showed the way of love. Most of all, you showed the way of love. What a great legacy this man left behind. What a great legacy this man left behind. What legacy do you want to leave behind? It's not too late. It's not too late. God God wants you to leave a legacy. So this Thanksgiving, this week, take stock of what you have, and ask God this week, as you're surrounded by your family and your friends, as David was towards the end of his life, as you're surrounded by your family and friends, ask the Lord, Lord, what can I leave behind? What can I give to people? Does it matter where you are in your life? Everybody has a different legacy that fits you perfectly. Let's bow our head. Close your eyes. If, as you're sitting here today thinking about your life, I just want you to, I want you to be aware that God, God is here and God wants to speak to you. And God wants to show you some things. So I just want you just to say this prayer to him. Say, God, show me that legacy. Show me what that is. And then you may want to say a prayer like, "Lord, give me strength to leave that legacy. Give me the wisdom to leave the legacy you want me to leave behind." Father, as we are surrounded by our family and friends this week, Lord, let us um, uh, let us understand that it's not about the house we leave behind or the money we leave behind, or the fame we leave behind. It's none of that. Just like David, we want to talk to our kids. We want to talk to our loved ones. We want to, we want to give glory and honor to you. We, want to, we don't want to regret the things we didn't do, but we want to rejoice in what you've allowed us to do. So Lord, we give you thanks for you allowing us to do the things that we were able to do, and forgiving us all that you have given to us. We give you thanks, Father, this week. We're grateful and we're thankful in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.